Welcome to Life Song Radio. I'm Phil Ramsey. Jimmy Hicks is not with us today. He had some things come up at the last minute, so I'm going to try to try to get through our Bible study by myself today. So be praying for me. I, it's a lot easier when you're sitting with somebody and bouncing off the Scripture. So just kind of keep me in your prayers as we walk through Hebrews today. We'll be in chapter six, and we'll be going uh, through 13, maybe possibly through 20 but again thank you for tuning in uh i hope you had a great week uh, we've had a lot of things going on in our world that uh you know very disturbing there we're we're seeing some things in our world today that i just don't know that we've ever seen there's a lot of uh, division in our country division in our world but especially in our country people can sit back and we can kind of figure out what you know why why is all this happen happening why we have all this uh, racism really on both sides i would say uh yeah america's been through a lot of stuff we've have we've done some things that were not right you know i think we've moved past most of it but i know we still deal with things but at the end of the day, when it comes from uh, a biblical perspective, it all boils down to the person's heart. And uh, our answers in our country, it's not political. It doesn't matter who's in the White House. It doesn't matter who's in Congress. It doesn't matter what party is in control. Um, the world and America has a heart problem. And what you do in your life flows out of your heart. It flows out of your heart. So uh, we're just not in a good place. So, and the key to key to, to resolving this issue is we got to be obedient with the gospel. We got to be obedient to the gospel, taking it to the world, and uh, and then lives will be changed, and people have new hearts, and out of new hearts flow the things of God. So that's ultimately the answer to all of our issues. So be faithful with God's word. Be faithful to the gospel. Don't be ashamed to tell anyone the gospel. Uh, We got to do it. And if we don't, who's going to do it? You think these people that hate God or coming to our churches, they're absolutely not. We've got to go to them. And uh, that's the only the only thing that I see that we can do that will make any difference at all in the situations that we have in our world and our country. But anyway, enough of that. Uh, thank you for joining us today. We're, we're going to get back in Hebrews. But before we do, the couple of days ago, I took my little recorder home, and uh, my girl Reagan, who's uh, she's been home all summer from Mississippi College. I took my little recorder, uh, digital audio recorder, home, and I and I asked her if she would uh, sing a few songs that we could uh, play on the radio, and then, of course her daddy could have it on his iPod and listen to her once she's gone away from college. And uh, the other night we recorded "Worthy Is the Lamb." And uh, she actually, you'll hear background vocals. She actually sang all three of the vocals that you'll be hearing. So this is my little girl, Reagan Ramsey, singing, Worthy is the Lamb.
girl off that beautiful, beautiful song. And I'll tell you what, worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. We are in Hebrews chapter 6. If you're joining us, Jimmy's not here today. He had uh, something come up at the last minute, so he'll be back with us next week. And next week's going to be good. Chapter 7, we're really getting into Melchizedek and breaking that down. And that's a very meaty topic. And I, I hope when we get through it that you'll be able to communicate with other believers anytime this topic comes up. Because there's a lot of division on this. And uh, I think if you stick with it and walk through it, it's really clear. It's really clear. So that's going to be next week, Chapter 7. Well, let's try to end uh, Hebrews uh, 6 today. I'm going to read through uh, 13 through 20. For when God made the promise to Abraham, since he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you, and I will surely multiply you. And thus, having patiently waited, he obtained the promise. For men swear by one greater than themselves, and with them an oath given as confirmation is an end of every dispute. In the same way, God, desiring even more to show to the heirs of the promise the unchangeableness of his purpose, interposed with an oath in order that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we may have strong encouragement. We who have fled for refuge in laying hold of the hope set before us, this hope we have as an anchor of the soul, a hope both sure and steadfast, and one which enters within the veil, where Jesus has entered as a forerunner for us, having become a high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. Some of you older listeners, you remember a television show called Who Do You Trust? Do you remember that? Uh, it was a show about who do you trust? Man, that's a important question. In this age that we live in today, what do we, what do we teach our kids? Don't trust anyone. Yesterday, I took my little girl to college in Mississippi. What did I tell her? Don't trust anyone. If you pull up on the side of the road and somebody comes to your window, don't trust them. So that's what we tell our kids. And there's not really, I'll just shoot you straight, there's not too many people in the world that I can honestly say that are trust. I mean, we live in a world that's uh, it's actually full of liars. The Bible says the whole world lies. And the power of the evil one is First John five nineteen, and Jesus tells us the evil one, the devil, is the father of lies. So we have, we live in a world that, you know, it's really really hard to trust folks. Just think about it. Think about the people that have broken your trust over the years. I was reading about a lady the other day that took her son to a uh, evangelistic healing service, and her her son was a cripple. He's in bad shape, and the the, uh, the quote unquote evangelist uh, told 
the mother to take those crutches and throw them away, your son will never need them again. Well, two weeks later, they had to amputate the boy's legs. And guess what? The mother's trust was devastated. It was devastated. We're going to read about a character today, somebody in the Bible that that you could trust. The Jews could look to this guy and trust him. It's Abraham. The writer of, of Hebrews has been urging the Jews to completely abandon the Old Covenant. That's everything in Judaism is to be dropped away. They are to abandon it totally, totally abandon the the uh, the customs, the rituals, the sacrifices, and just to entirely trust Jesus, the the one of the new covenant. The forms, the rituals, the ceremonies, the practices, you have got to leave all of these things behind. And I would say this, uh, the old covenant had its place. These were types and shadows, and every bit of this was pointing, was pointing to something better. It was pointing to a better covenant. These were essential, and God commanded them to do it at a specific time. But what they did is pointed to something better. But even in the old covenant, uh, faith was always the issue. The ceremonies that they did, the rituals that they did, and God commanded them to do, uh, they had to do them. But when it came to to uh, salvation, it was always, even in the Old Covenant, it was always a faith issue. So faith was always paramount in the Old Covenant, and faith is the deal in the New. So we're looking at Abraham, and you know what? He's probably the most outstanding example of faith. From a Jewish perspective, even from my perspective, is Abraham. In fact, you think about this. He's called the father of all who believe. That's in Romans 4.11. And it is Abraham who the writer now sets before the readers of Hebrews as a model of faith. Paul talked about Abraham in Romans 4. He said he was justified. He was counted righteous by God because of what? Because of faith. And he was saved by faith before the Mosaic law was ever, ever given. He was saved before he was even circumcised. But his pulse point was that salvation has never been by obedience to law or a, you know, obedience to a ritual or obedience to performance. Salvation, even with Abraham and everybody else, has always been by faith. A little bit about Abraham. He, his original name was Abram. Uh, Abraham was a pagan. A lot of people didn't know that. He was a descendant of Shem. You know, Noah had three sons. And, and Abraham was a descendant of Shem. Apparently, uh, uh, Abraham in his family worshipped false gods. So he grew up in, as a pagan in a family who worshipped false gods. He grew up in Ur. That's in uh, uh, 
I, I'm, I may not pronounce this name correctly, Mesopotamia. <laughs> so he grew up there. And God spoke to Abraham, commanded him first to go to Haran and then on to Canaan. So by faith, there's the word, by faith, Abraham, when he was called, he obeyed by going to a place and to receive an inheritance. And when he went out, not knowing where he was going, Hebrews 11, 8. So with no guarantee but God's word, Abraham believed what God told him. And the Lord promised Abraham that he's going to give him and his descendants the, the land of Canaan. And that through Abraham, all the families on the earth would be blessed. That's in Genesis 12, 1 through 3. But you know what? Abraham was an old guy. I mean, he was an old guy. He was probably around 90 years old when this was told to him. So he's going to be a father of a great nation where the descendants are innumerable as the, the stars in the sky. But Abraham is over 90 years old. Now, Sarah, I think I could be wrong. Don't hold me to this. She, I think she's in her 80s, and women in their 80s, they're not having children. So she's past this age of uh, bearing children. But God promised, God promised that he's going to give them a son. And, uh, and, and Abraham believed God. So they waited, and, uh, and I would say he got a little impatient. I know Sarah got impatient. So she kind of deviated from plan A about having a son and went to Hagar which was a servant of hers and she told Abraham to lay with Hagar and he did he shouldn't have but he did and they had a son the son's name was Ishmael and uh, God also promised uh, in that situation that there will be a great nation come from him but again that's another Bible story we'll try to get back over here now so they deviated from God's plan, but God, what did he do? He kept his promise to Abraham. And Abraham had a son. His son was named Isaac. He had Isaac, and uh, God told Abraham to do something that, if you don't know the word, you would say, why would anybody, anybody tell somebody to do this? God told Abraham to sacrifice his son, Isaac, his only true son. And what did Abraham do? He obeyed God. He obeyed God. And so he took Isaac, and they went to a mountain, carried the wood up to the mountain. And uh, remember, God promised, promised Abraham all the families of the earth will be blessed through his son. And he was about to kill him. How could this be? But what did Abraham do? He obeyed God by faith. He was placed on the altar. He brought the knife up, and then God stopped him. And there was a ram stuck in the thicket, and God provided a way out of this death. But see, Abraham, by faith, was going to do it and sacrifice his own son, but believe God so much that he knew that God would raise him from the dead. Why? Because God never breaks his word. God never lies. God will always, 
always honor his promise. So when the writer introduces Abraham, this is somebody they trusted. This is somebody before Judaism ever came into being. The law, the Levitical law system, the Mosaic law system, before that ever was in place, there was Abraham before all of that. And he's going to use Abraham as an example that they must do also. You see, it always comes back to faith. Abraham had faith, and you, you should too. Verse 13 says, For when God made the promise to Abraham, since he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you, I will surely multiply you, and thus having patiently waited, he obtained the promise. Think about this. When you were little, when you were uh, out in the yard playing, and you had your friends around, and, you, and you, you had something you wanted to say, and you meant it. I mean, it was true, and you meant it. What would you say? You say, I swear on my mama's grave. I swear on my mama's grave. And when some little kid swore on his mother's grave, they knew he was serious. They knew when he swore on his mother's grave that what he's saying was true. And then and then they believed it because no little boy would do that and not mean it. But we see here that God made a promise to Abraham. But what did he do? There's no one greater than God. So he swore by himself saying, I will surely bless you. So if he swore by himself and he said something, guess what? It's going to happen. There's going to be blessing. There's going to be multiplication. And it's going to happen. And God never lies. And God never breaks a promise. Never. In James 1.17 it says, Every good thing bestowed and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. God never, you got to hear this folks, God never deviates from his will or from his promises. It is impossible. He can't do it. He can't lie. It's not going to happen. And I would even say this. God can do anything, but he cannot lie. He is bound by his nature. These are things that God can't do. So if God says it and God promised it, you can bank on it. He made a promise to us that, that if we put our trust in him, he will save us. So his basic promise to Abraham was, I will surely bless you, and I will surely multiply you. So the question is, has God kept his promise to Abraham? Let's think about this. Think about the world right now. Over 14 million physical descendants of Abraham are still present right now on the earth. Hmm. Sound like it, that's been multiplied. But not only that, there are millions and millions of people around the world that not necessarily physical offspring of Abraham, but are Abraham's spiritual descendants. So God has kept his promise to Abraham. 
Now, we just got to remember, this is, this is what God is doing. This is what God is doing through Abraham. Like I said, we're building up and talking a lot about Abraham because all Jews trust Abraham. He has a faith that we all need to model. In verse 14, it says, saying, I, now hear, hear me out, I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply you. Notice Notice I. Who's, who's doing the action here? Is this an effort of Abraham? No, this is a sovereign work of God. It's on him. There is a promise. There is a guarantee. So God didn't take Abraham from, from where he was, from his homeland, and then send him to a foreign land and be a sojourner the rest of his life to fulfill a divine whim. God had a purpose for Abraham and he had a purpose for the world. And through Abraham, Abraham, Abraham didn't ask God to send him to Canaan. Abraham didn't ask to be blessed, uh, be blessed so that the world will be blessed. No, this was God's idea. This was God's purpose. This was God's plan. And this is a promise to Abraham, and his covenant with Abraham is is ultimately a covenant with himself. And, and Abraham is a, I want to say, I'm trying to think of a word, maybe a spectator of what God's going to do through him. I don't know if that's a, a correct word or not, but God has bound himself to himself and made a promise and it's going to happen. This Abrahamic covenant was a promise. It was unconditional. It wasn't based on what um, any specific requirement that uh, that Abraham had to maintain. Uh, this is something that God does through Abraham, and He's going to fulfill it. And I would say He definitely, definitely has done that even to this day. And God chose this man, Abraham, not because of anything that Abraham had done. He didn't do any action. He didn't do anything that would merit God's choice of him to be the avenue God uses to fulfill his purposes. Deuteronomy 7, 7 through 8 says, The Lord did not set his love on you, nor chose you because you were more in number. Now we're speaking of Israel more in number than any other peoples, for you are the, the fewest of all peoples. But because the Lord loved you and kept the oath which he swore to your forefathers. You see, through through the lineage of Abraham, you know, you have Isaac, and then you have uh, you have Jacob, and then Jacob has twelve sons. These are the twelve sons of Israel, and God chooses chooses Israel, this nation, for several reasons. And uh, when he chose them to be how he operates on the earth, it was a choice that was made by him, and they had nothing to do with it. Absolutely nothing. As a matter of fact, if you, if you read the Old Testament, you will see that Israel was 
most of the time in total rebellion and living in total sin uh, throughout the old covenant. And these were God's chosen people. But he chose them for several reasons. First, to proclaim the true God, to proclaim to the world the one true God. Also, he chose Israel to reveal the Messiah. The Messiah is going to come through Israel. The Messiah is a Jew. Uh, to be, again, to be God's priest nation. He did it. It says, you shall be a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. Exodus 19, 6. So a priest is a mediator between God and man. And all Israel was, was to serve as a mediator for God to the rest of the world. The uh, Le Levitical priests were to minister to Israel. And Israel was to minister to the world. And they were to preserve and transmit the scriptures. And Romans 9, 4 speaks about that. They were also to show the faithfulness of to God, also to show the blessedness of serving God, and lastly, to show God's grace in dealing with sin. You see, God always provides a way of an escape from his wrath. He did that with Israel and their disobedience, and he does it for you because you're a sinner, and because you're a sinner, God's just, and if God's just, God punishes sinners, but he always provides a way. He provided a way through Israel. He provides a way through you today. So, I'm chasing a lot of rabbits. I realize that. But we're talking about Abraham. Uh, that writer of Hebrews is bringing in Abraham. He is a model, not only for for the Jew, but also for the Gentile. Uh, it's all about faith, from the Old Testament to the New Testament. From Abraham till 2017 with Phil Ramsey. It's all about faith in Christ. And back to the scripture, it says, since he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself. For men swear by one greater than themselves, and with them an oath is given as confirmation is an end of every dispute. In the same way, God desiring even more to show to the heirs of the promise the unchangeableness of his purpose and his purpose interposed with an oath. So we see here God makes an oath and it was it's common in the in the New Testament for people to, to make an oath. It's he usually makes an oath on something greater than himself, such as an an altar or the high priest and or even God. And when somebody made an oath, the argument was over. The dispute was ended. And so an oath, when God made an oath, I believe that this oath is, is a pledge. And this pledge is the Holy Spirit. Three times Paul refers to the Holy Spirit as God's pledge to believers in 2 Corinthians 1.22.5.5, Ephesians 1.4. The same word used... Uh, that Paul used for pledge means an engagement ring and earnest of marriage 
it's like when you when you were about to get married, you gave your fiance in a ring. This was a pledge. This was an oath that you were going to get married. So God, he gave us a pledge. He gave us an oath. And God swears on oath on himself and gives us his Holy Spirit as a pledge, as an earnest on the oath. In 18 it says, in order that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we may have strong encouragement. We who have fled for refuge in lane hold of the hope set before us. The two unchangeable things are God's promise and his pledge. His promise and his oath, they are immutable. There's no variance there's no possibility of any change. They are immutable. Verse 19, 20 says, This hope we have is an anchor of the soul, a hope both sure and steadfast, and one which enters within the veil, where Jesus has entered as a forerunner for us, having become a high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. God gives us something else. He gives us his priest. And Jesus, as our high priest, serves as the anchor of our souls. He, for, he will forever keep us from drifting away. And Jesus entering within the veil signifies his entering into the Holy of Holies, where the sacrifice of atonement was made. In the Old Covenant, every year the high priest, it's only one high priest a year, but every year he would go in the Holy of Holies and he would sprinkle the blood on the mercy seat. But Christ, being the final sacrifice, uh, once and for all, never to be repeated again, now enters through the veil into the Holy of Holies, but he didn't come back out. See, the earthly high priest, great high priest, uh, would go in on behalf of God's people that believed and he would sacrifice I mean he would place the blood on the altar there were no seats in that area in the Holy of Holies and so what he would do after sprinkling the blood on the altar uh, he would get out but Christ being the final sacrifice and being the great high priest enters into the Holy of Holies he sits down why because it's finished the earthly high priest, no seat. Christ's seat sits at the right hand of the Father, and he's not coming out. And so he's sitting there today. He's interceding on our behalf. Those people who believe in him, he now represents us to God. And there's no power, no prince, no principality that can bring a charge against us. Our salvation our souls are anchored in him guess what you ain't going nowhere if you belong to him and nobody nobody can snatch you out of his hands and having become a high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek well, we're going to close right there next week is going to be a really really good week we're going to talk about Melchizedek we're going to talk about uh, there's many out there that say, man, this was Jesus on earth. Uh, we're going we're gonna to walk through the text. We're going to deal with it. And hopefully, before it's all uh, said and done, you will have a much clearer 
uh, interpretation and meaning of what it means for Jesus to be in the order of Melchizedek. Man, it's big time. So make sure you come back next week. Uh, you can go to our website, lifesongrail.com. You can listen to every week's episode. Uh, you also get some resources. We have an app, too. When you go on the website on your phone, you'll be asked if you want to download our app. we got a new app where you can listen to the thing. So it's going to be good. So thank you for tuning in. Jimmy will be back next week, and uh, it's going to be good. So I'm going to close this out in prayer. And again, thank you guys for tuning in. Lord, we thank you for this time we've had. We thank you for your word. We thank you that, uh, that you made a covenant a covenant with yourself that uh, there's a promise. There's a promise that there will be many people, many people saved. And I just want to thank you today for saving me by your grace, saving you and thanking you about the example of faith that Abraham had. Abraham had faith. Abraham believed you. And I just pray that the people out there today that they believe who you are, that you came, you lived, you died, you were buried, and you rose again, conquering the grave. And if people put their trust and faith in you and and turn and repent of their sins, cry out for mercy, there's another promise. You said you will save them. I pray that many do it today. Again, we thank you. We give you all the honor, glory, and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Folks, we'll see you next week for another edition of Life Song Radio. I've done every devotional, been every place emotional. Tried to hear a new word from God, and I think it's very odd. That while I attempt to help myself, my Bible sits upon the shelf with every promise I could ever need. And the word was, and the word is, and the word will be. tailored suit does it fit across the shoulders will it fade when it gets older we throw ideas that aren't in style in the salvation army pile and search for something more to meet our needs the word was and the word is and the word will be Very strong and neither death